things in the holiday spirit here on Monster Kid Radio with another holiday song. This time, the song is We Wish You a Surfin' Christmas. It's from the band Surf Out. You can find them online on Bandcamp at surfout.bandcamp.com. They are from Pennsylvania, and this week they are on Monster Kid Radio, providing the opening and closing music for episode 248 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the program where we have classic monsters, modern talk, the head of Rondo Hatton, and special guest, Ken Johnson. We are going to be talking about a film from 1965. This is kind of a favorite of mine, even though not a lot of people know about it. This is called Dark Intruder, and we're going to talk about that film with Ken here shortly. The conversation is light, it's breezy, and we do talk about a few other things along the way, although we may spoil a little bit of the film. Not too much. We tried to keep things vague enough to where if you haven't seen the movie yet, we're not ruining any huge plot points. That said, I recommend the movie. It wouldn't have made last week's gift guide episode if I didn't enjoy it. Also in this episode, we've got a voicemail from a former guest of Monster Kid Radio following up on the Kaiju double feature episodes that we did with Stephen D. Sullivan. It's Tony Wendell from the Gigantic Project. So we're going to get to that after the conversation with Ken about Dark Intruder right after this. to an open house where horror will be your host. The Haunted Palace. You, who find a kind of macabre joyousness in the horrifying, will enjoy yourselves as in ecstasy in The Haunted Palace. Starring Vincent Price, a being who lived and died and lives again. I'll not have my fill of revenge until this village is a graveyard. Intriguing Deborah Paget, whose appealing beauty inflames the blood of the bloodless. Charles, please. I... Well, I've been very busy, but I'm back now. Charles. Now, oh, no. We have the whole no. night before. No. His violent, no. torturous passions inflict no. both pain and terror. Lon Chaney, carrying on a family tradition of masterful motion picture horror, while the strange and feared new master of the haunted palace reaches for the skeleton of one long dead. You see? He's taken her mind, her soul, just like the others. I'm entitled to a few small amusements. Do you 
enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune into B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. Man who must kill to live. He is 104 years old. Your eyes? What's wrong with your eyes? Yes, look at him well. This thief of time. This man who could cheat death. Who knows the secret of immortality. I've been taking this fluid every six hours now. It's madness. It is what keeps me alive. So you see, you must operate. You, you know what will happen if you don't. Yes, you will die. Liar. Cheat. Murderer. Offender against nature and God. See the liquid that cheats death. See what he steals from the tissues of his victims so that he may never grow old and never die. No, 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 don't, don't do it. Anton Differing is the man trapped by his own fearful invention. Hazel Court, the girl who knows his love, but not his shocking secret. George, I love you so much. Christopher Lee. The doctor who gleans the monstrous truth and must submit to blackmail to save the girl he loves. If you perform this operation and perform it successfully, I shall release her. If you don't perform this operation, or if anything should happen to me while you're operating, Janine will not be seen by you or anyone else again. my favorite things to do here on monster kid radio is to get new voices onto the show to expand the ever-growing roster of guest hosts so we've got a new voice on the podcast today we've got ken johnson here welcome to monster kid radio sir ah thank you very much pleasure to be here ken and i have crossed paths a few times it's been a few years 
But back when I was producing another podcast, I would go to Horror Hound Weekend, and that's where I've seen you. And I believe there's even a picture or two of us on Facebook together. <laughs> Probably, <yes>. yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> so you've been a fan of horror and horror podcasts for a while. I know that we've been kind of traveling in similar circles off and on over the years. Right. Ships passing through the night, that kind of thing. Something you know? like that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, no, I just, you know, try to attend at least one horror convention a year. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always work out, but in listening to podcasts, horror-related podcasts and everything, um, it's really the community that just gets me going uh, anymore. It gets me excited about these films. I mean, you know, it's always, I could go kind of rambling here, so, you know, <laughs> break me up when when you need to, but uh, I really love discovering uh, films that I have never heard of, and uh, I'm always looking for new experiences. And this one uh, that we'll be talking about was something that was just, I, I, I had picked up a book at the last horror convention I go to or went to. I always go to, I have to give a plug here, I always I stop by John Kitley and Kitley's Crypt. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, you're, you're familiar with John? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, and he is like the source for for uh, reference books, for horror-related uh, reference books, and just for information, the guy knows so much. And so we've gotten to be friends. I had hit him up uh, a few years back about those Crestwood oh, uh, orange yeah. cover books. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, and we just started a friendship from that. So, like, at every uh, convention that I go to that he's a part of, we always set out some time to, to get together and just talk. And uh, this last time... I went uh, to stop by his booth, and he had this book. I've got it here. It's called, let's see, Top 100 Horror Films or Horror Movies. From It's from Fantastic Press, which I think is the U.K., publisher and it's published by idw here in the states okay. i believe and this book it's like it's gorgeous it's got tons of photos it's just a, a top 100 list uh, it's mostly like uk based kind of a uk themed i guess list so a lot of american movies that you think would be kind of standard aren't in it uh, but one of them was uh, dark intruder the movie we'll talk about that movie, I just was like, what is this? I have never heard of it. And it's got some gorgeous black and white photos, especially one of the creature in the piece. It's like a full page. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, and it's, again, you know, you're always questing. And, and uh, John was like, yeah, you should try and find that. Check it out. And it's a tough one to get. I think now TCM has put out a DVD, correct? That's right. Yeah, they just put it out as a double feature with William Castle's The Night Walker. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because Nightwalker is a great one, too. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Definitely a good one. That's a spot-on double feature. That's really cool. So, yeah, I just I happened to find it uh, in uh, the month of October. I always tried to accelerate my movie watching. I used to do like a thing where I would try to watch a new horror film for every letter of the alphabet. So, like, I'm trying to get, you know, 26 different movies mm -hmm. covering the gamut you know make sure you get a vampire movie a werewolf movie a frankenstein flick you know uk uh, italy china japan whatever i could do and it was beginning to just melt my brain <laughs> <laughs> you're looking for movies that start with q and if you've seen zontar the thing from venus you've pretty much seen all the z movies i think you know <laughs> so, you can't forget about zat i mean come on the motion picture Zat is one of the most incredible stories of modern time. Don't miss Zat. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. There's that. All right, so you got, you got one for next time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this year I just was like, I just want to see as many new flicks as I could. And so I did some prowling on the internet. That was before I actually knew about the TCM mm-hmm. release. And I found uh, Dark Intruder hiding online. And uh, it's, it's, it's a fun flick. I have the power to abandon this body and enter yours. My fiance, Miss Evelyn Lang, and Miss and Mr. Kingsford. Why are you not dead? Did he have a knife? <laughs> no knife did that. He had claws. No. Don't touch it. Put it down. That thing felt like it was alive. No. Robert. Wake up. There are answers I must have before I go out of my mind. Everything will be answered before the day of your wedding. Six killings that we know of and seven spokes in the Sumerian wheel. So tomorrow, the seventh killing. Before midnight. I saw it a few years ago for the first time myself. I believe it was covered on another podcast, maybe the B-Movie cast. Okay. It maybe came up there. I'm not sure. But I heard about it. It's like, I, I have to see this thing. And yeah. I, I, it really kind of hits on a, a note that resonates deeply within me. I love occult detective stories. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So we've got that, and we've got Leslie Nielsen on a, in a serious turn, which... You know, when you think Leslie Nielsen, you think Naked Gun. You, sure. you think the comedy. But to get him in a serious role, it's not as serious as like uh, Forbidden Planet, where he's the, the stoic captain. There's some flippancy and some sarcasm in this, but it's still a, a non-slapstick type role for him in this occult detective story. Like you said, you saw a picture of this gorgeous black and white photo. This film is filled with black and white photography from start to bottom that I love. Oh, yeah. It's got a great aesthetic. I dig it a lot. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I am. I'm glad that you've seen it too and, and really dug it. it I'm, I'm with you with the the whole occult detective kind of thing. I love uh, like Doctor Strange. Yes. Um, you know, Jason Blood from uh, The Demon uh, from DC Comics. Characters like that that are like, you know, yes, they're the consulting. They know more about humanity and the supernatural. And then, you know, but there's still that police procedural kind of vibe to it, you know, or they're a case. You know, you still have to follow some of man's laws, even while the supernatural follows their own laws. So he's kind of bridging the gap between. And that's, I always find that fascinating. I mean, you can see there's elements, you know, of, of there's elements of like Batman and stuff as well, but uh, there is like a real superhero kind of element. There to is, him. yeah. 
And it's it's fitting too. Like I was doing some research on IMDb, like what Leslie Nielsen was doing at the time, and like 1965, he was doing mostly TV work, but he also did an episode. I think it was later on of the Wild Wild West, a show with uh, uh, Ross Martin and uh, Robert Conrad. Uh-huh. You know, in keeping with that theme, this is such a show that you know you could have easily seen a tie-in with those because they were always cruising around the West in their train car, discovering all these bizarre, you know, Bond-type villains. Leslie Nielsen's character would have been a great uh, tie-in with those if this would have gone the way it was originally planned on going. Yeah, it was originally going to be a TV series. This was a pilot. Right. What was it originally called? Black Cloak, uh, I believe? Uh, Dark Cloak, I think is what Dark I'm Cloak. Well, okay. either way, yeah. It was a cloak. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was like a spinoff of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, I think, is what they were trying to do. Like, that's where the roots came from. So it's got kind of a Kolchak the Night Stalker vibe. Yes. You know, which you can see, I think that comes like within 10 years after this. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, that's still kind of thematically is around Hollywood uh, during this time. So, you know, you can see the roots. I mean, it, it, you know, it kind of meanders around Hollywood, you know, festering in, you know, writers' brains, that kind of idea. And it brings about, you know, Kolchak and then, like, oh, what's the, the, night, or the night gallery, Gary Collins' character, I can't think. Oh, The Sixth Sense, which... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, The Sixth Sense, just to kind of sideline. And I think I've said this on a previous... Actually, I said this on Facebook. Okay. I love this series, The Sixth Sense, and we'll get back to the Dark Infinite in a second. I love it a lot. It was incorporated into the Night Gallery in a very severely edited down version to fit the 30-minute mark, but it was an hour-long drama from the late 70s starring Gary Collins as a standalone series, and I love what I've seen. And I posted on Facebook a while back, I wish it was available on DVD. I sure would buy it up. And then mm-hmm. somebody posted it's available in France, and then a few weeks later, it showed up at my door. Oh, my gosh. There's no note in there saying who it came from. <laughs> <laughs> so who, if there's a listener out there who bought me the Sixth Sense version uh, of the French DVD set, thank you. That it's is cool. awesome. And if you haven't seen the Sixth Sense, I recommend tracking it down. I dig it a lot. Man, because I, I have just seen those in the, the half hour versions. Yeah. It used to play on, um, I think, MeTV. I don't know if you guys get that out there. Oh, but okay. uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you gotta have my new TV. <laughs> right on. So, yeah, that's how I got familiar with it. And it's, I mean, you know, you can see it in like the X Files. Yes. Millennium. I was thinking about that this morning. It's very much like Millennium is a darker version of, of this as well. But yeah, you know, it's, it's what if cinema. It's like if this would have been, if they would have proceeded with Dark Intruder as it was and made a TV series out of it as Black Cloak or Dark Cloak. It could have been interesting, you know? It could have been, I don't know, it, what could have been, I guess, right? So It is interesting to think about the what-if, the fascinating possibilities, and then, of course, the heartbreak that it never happened. Because I would have bought this DVD, this series on DVD immediately as soon as it came out, and I would have mainlined this because I love Dark Intruder. I think it would be a great show. But if that had happened, what would have happened to Leslie Nielsen's career? Right. What, yeah. what would have changed? Would we have had the the police story, the the night, naked gun? <laughs> would we have had any of that? The airport films. What would have happened there? 
Yeah, it, that's that's just it. You know, where could he have gone? It, it, when you watch this film, he, there is a lot of humor in it, you know, because he's playing kind of an over-the-top character, kind of like the movie versions of Batman or Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. you know, where he's over-the-top and he's always the one kind of, you know, the, the bon vivant, as they say in the film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and so, you know, like, you know, there's some great, Scenes with him and the chief of police, you know, and I guess he's not the chief of police. He's a detective friend of his. You know, there's something dark Nielsen's character has crossed paths with previously, and he still tries to kind of blow it off, you know, and not think too much. You know, there's a great uh, bit at the end where it's like, you know, he's talking with his his servant, uh, an assistant, you know, says like, if they only knew what we knew, they would never get a night's sleep, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's that there's that darkness that's right there, but they kind of skirt the edge of it with a laugh. You know, they're whistling past the graveyard, so to speak. Right. So. It's a great coping mechanism and one that I would have loved to have seen developed even more. I'm yeah. glad what we have is available. I mean, I'm glad we have this now because we can go back mm-hmm. and we can watch it. We can talk about it and, and think about the what ifs. The other thing about this movie that really caught me are all the Lovecraft elements. Uh, oh, references. Yeah. I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. I think people who listen to the show know that I typically won't shut up about Lovecraft once I get started. <laughs> so I'm going to try to hold back here. Uh, but there's a lot of Lovecraft elements or at least references thrown into this. I mean, right at the very beginning when Leslie Nielsen's <laughs> – there's Dagon and Azathoth. And it's like, yes! <laughs> Because, like, I was trying to to think off the top of my head where, like, what was the first overt reference to Lovecraft's material in a film or a TV show? And, you know, there was Haunted Palace, the Roger Corman flick, Mm -hmm. masquerading as a Poe flick in the title Mm -hmm. but it's actually like case of charles dexter ward right right so but yeah i mean i I had never because i I thought maybe azathoth was referenced in that but then dagon i you know other than like the uh, early 2000s film i have never really heard that reference in a film before and so or tv show and so when he just you know throws out you know azathoth or dagon it's like what (laughs) (laughs) buckle up these guys know their stuff right now well, and the producer of, the, of this is named Jack Laird, and you mentioned Night Gallery earlier. He was also one of the driving forces behind Night Gallery, and what he was involved directly with some of the Lovecraft episodes of Night Gallery. So I'm okay. wondering if he was the fan that brought that to the table. You know, it is. It's like a weird kind of uh, mixing together of several streams, you know? It's, mm-hmm. You can see why it could be popular, you know, because of, like I said, like the Wild Wild West TV show Mm -hmm. and, you know, Batman, there's a certain element to that in it. But then it also does explore some darkness. I mean, I guess we haven't really talked about the plot of the film. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into it. Why not? Let's talk about it. Well, essentially what it is, is Leslie Nielsen plays Brett Kingsford and he is an... uh, If I can interrupt, which is an awesome name for an occult detective, just saying... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, Brett, you don't hear too often. And, and, and just the word Kingsford feels Lovecraftian. So Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, he's a uh, he's an occult detective, essentially. He's brought in on this case of uh, several unsolved murders where these like stone little statues are left at the crime scene. I don't want to give too much away unless you're okay with that. Well, I mean, I, I think this one is not as widely seen as, say, like the Frankenstein movies that we talk about or the or Godzilla sure. or whatever. So, yeah, let, let's hold some surprises back. So he's running on this case. 
He's trying to figure out what these statues represent. Uh, they're trying to stop the next uh, murder from happening. Uh, he's also got a, a friend in his uh, in his acquaintances. It's all San Fran- It's based in San Francisco in 1890, so that kind of sets the framework. Which gives there. it such a cool look and feel. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah, again, it's a TV budget and. It makes the most out of it. It really does. I mean, like, you know, there's that kind of gothic Mm -hmm. vibe to it that, you know, it's like a feature film, really. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, especially, you know, the night and the shadows, but even like the bookstore they're at, uh, the antiquity shop, I guess. And uh, Kingsford's base of operations is, you know, Sanctum Sanctorum, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) you know. (laughs) You know, there's all these odd books and odd masks on the wall. He's got... Uh, what I love is just like the, you know, he's got his manservant who is a, a little person, uh, Nicola. There's something about him where he's, he's hilarious, but he's also like, you know, that he's seen some stuff, you know? Yeah. And then he's also got this mandrake plant. You know, the whole thing with the mandrake root, I guess, is that if you pull it up, you know, night of the full moon or whatever, it's supposed to scream. So it's got like a human scream. So it, it's like a sensory device kind of thing. So it's like his, his uh, trouble alert, his spidey sense, his, his whatever. It's always like it, when, it, <laughs> when it feels something, it kind of shakes. And so, you know, again, what if I would like to have seen, you know, how that developed. But yeah, so anyway, yeah, no, I, I'm sorry I'm going on. but It's cool. I, I'm yeah. fascinated by just all the setup here that it happened so quickly right. and so effectively and efficiently. I mean, it is a TV show. It was designed to be a TV show, so it's got to be pretty quick paced, but they don't lose anything. I'm fascinated by this setup here. I want to know how Brett and uh, mm-hmm. Nicola, who is the servant, I want to know how they met. I want to know more about the Mandrake plant. What's it going to do when I don't know, something else shows up? As economical as it is, there's a lot of room for development. There's a lot of room for backstory. And that mm-hmm. takes a certain skill that you know not a lot of TV shows have been capable of doing, and not a lot of films either, you know? There's a nugget there, you know, to explore. It's just a shame it never did. I don't know, maybe a remake at some point, but oh, well. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so then within the film he has a, a friend of his who's getting married, played by Peter Mark Richmond, who isn't maybe a household name, but if you saw him you would know right away. He's like an epic uh, TV movie actor. And he did some genre work too. He was on a Friday the thirteenth film. And he also turns up in Naked Gun Two and a Half. So he and Leslie Nielsen got to work together again. So, yeah, it goes full circle, right? Oh, man. I I didn't realize that. The one thing that's kind of, I I don't know, maybe it's given it a little bit of cachet, too, as a cult classic, is that Werner Klempler from uh, 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 Colonel Hogan from Hogan, or not Colonel Hogan, uh, (laughs) Colonel Clink from Hogan's Heroes is the monster or is the bad guy. (laughs) And you could say that, but in the film itself, you know, he's under so much makeup that when the first time I saw it, I was like, he's in that? Was he one of the detectives or was he a walk on? You know, because he, he just, he's not very noticeable. But then when you, you know, do a little research into it, you realize that you know, he was the one wearing all the facial appliances that the creature has, uh, which are great, by the way. I mean, you know, it's just enough. So that you know what they look and what he looks like, but it's also disguised in a way that does make it kind of creepy. Well, the makeup it was designed by Bud Westmore, so Westmore, you know, is is a Hollywood legend. I mean, it's a legacy family of makeup artists. Sure, you know, all the Westmores were involved from 
well, fifties at least onward. Isn't that uh, like I Love Lucy and some of that stuff? I mean, he's kind of mm-hmm. like you know before him would have been Max Factor and and uh, mm-hmm. some of them. Yeah, and the Westmores are still active today. I mean, really? Wow. Well, one of them did Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh my gosh! And oh. one of them is the host of the sci-fi show Face Off. Oh, okay, right on. So the, the, it's cool. this this legacy of makeup and special makeup effects. Man. So to have that turn up here. That was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. A little cachet there. Yeah. And then just, uh, again, with uh, Professor Malachi, the the, uh, character that Klemperer plays, uh, that is voiced actually not by him, but by Lloyd Nolan. He was a big, um, big uh, Hitchcock guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why, you know, he doesn't even sound like, like uh, you know, you never hear that Hogan, you know, you never hear that <laughs> kind of voice. But uh, but it's, uh, I believe it's it's Lloyd Nolan who is the, the voice, does the voiceover work. So again, I mean, like that guy, you know, was in a ton of Hitchcock films, is still living too. Or Norman, his name is Norman Lloyd, I apologize, Norman. But yeah, no, he was in like Saboteur and like a lot of a lot of Hitchcock's work and was a big force on the Alfred Hitchcock Presents show too. So yeah, so there's a little bit of a masquerade there too. But yeah, so yeah, so Kingsford is is, you know, investigating these um these crimes. He goes, you know, he's it's kind of fun too, again, with that setup. He goes to uh there's a uh a an old kind of Chinatown character, kind of a Fu Manchu type character that he consults as well because it's um you know these things may have a far eastern these statues that he's that are appearing at the uh at the uh, sides of these bodies these victims um have maybe an old eastern kind of vibe and so you know he goes and consults this this uh uh asian magician and uh you know there's you know that kind of element to it too you know it's just I don't know. I could go on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because San Francisco is such a melting pot at that point. You have, uh, you have Chinatown, you have the tongs of the gangs, um, you have pirates, you know, I mean, there's, they're not too far from the Barbary pirates. There's the Civil War elements, you know, it's still around there. It's just, it's one of those cities, you know, that's a great element for story. Especially at that time. And if you're going to add that occult, mystic kind of feel, of course, you've already got all this unknown happening anyway Mm -hmm. with with the different cultures coming in that people don't know much about because it is still – I mean, it's it's the melting pot, but it's the start of a lot of what's happening uh, in terms of developing that area, the country, the region. So there's already all this unknown. So let's throw the mystic in there too. Let's get all spooky. <laughs> Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw a bunch of smoke and fog up in the background and let's go. I think it's a great setup. I love this era for storytelling mm-hmm. because it's just so, I don't know, there's a coziness to it, but huh. I don't know. I just really love this era and this aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, like in the film itself, they they talk about events that happen uh, in, uh, is it Basra in Iraq? Yeah. You know, which is interesting too, because there's this whole ancient, you know, religion kind of thing vibe from through that as well. And so it has like a, an odd timeliness to it. You know, events that are currently happening, you know, have been happening for a long time. Yeah, so that was kind of unexpected. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I know it just sounds like we're just gushing over this film, but it, it is. It's such a fun 
combination of just elements that you see maybe further explored in other films, but all have elements here, you know, that all, you know, that all kind of come together. You can see some of the comic timing that Nielsen would become known for later mm-hmm. in his career turned up in this. There's a flippancy, a good pacing to his dialogue and the way he kind of de- delivers information and responds to some of the craziness happening around him in this, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, we were talking about his approach and the way his character is kind of over the top and, and how maybe he copes with the, the mystical that he knows about, the spooky that he deals with. I like that you can start to see some of the comic undertones here, but it doesn't go full on, like I said, slapstick yeah. or anything like that. It's a nice bridge between what he was doing in Forbidden Planet, where he was the serious captain of a starship, mm-hmm. and what he would become known for for people of our generation. So it's a nice bridge there. So you can really see Leslie Nielsen, I think, really star in this movie. Oh, yeah, very much so. It's, you know, he makes the most mm-hmm. of having that role for sure. Again, there's a seriousness to it. The comedic part shines through. I wonder, like, how much of that is emphasized now just because we're going back to it. That so we can kind of see it now because we knew what, yeah. what was going on with what Nielsen would become. Right, yeah, it's it's so much heavier because of what we've seen, you know, it, you know. It, but there is like a physicalness to his character, which is really, you know, I, you know, other than like honestly, like Forbidden Planet, I had never really seen him do. And there's a great fight scene in an antiquity shop. And I was like, wow, you know, he, you know, and he, there's a point where he's got his shirt off, he sees a doctor, and I'm like, he's pretty buff, you know, for for a guy that I'm just used to kind of fumbling around <laughs> on, you know, naked gun films. But I mean, he, you know, he definitely had that leading man kind of element to him, and uh, you know, he could have played an action hero. He was, he, you know, he. He was, he was very comfortable in his role, I guess, is the way I would say. I don't want to say it didn't seem challenging, but it, you know, I'm sure he was very comfortable in what he was able to, to give to it. Again, because of our generation, we're familiar with him as the comic. But mm-hmm. you mentioned me TV earlier. I saw an episode of The Night Gallery that he was in called A Question of Fear. And he plays a bounty hunter, soldier of fortune type who is challenged to spend the night in a haunted house. Oh, I've seen this one. Yes. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's him, though. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So, you, again, he's got that kind of rough and tumble kind of look if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Such a versatile actor. I think yeah. maybe we were not. I don't know. Again, our generation saw Mr. Comic. We might have mm-hmm. missed out by not seeing him in some of these other roles when we were younger coming up. You know, again, it's a, that, it's that element of what if with this. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it with the Nightwalker, though, too, because that's another one that you know, taps a lot of the same vein, you know, so to speak. I, I was surprised to see that TCM had bunch those two together as a double feature. I, I, it didn't mm-hmm. seem to make a lot of sense to me on the surface. Doing mm-hmm. a little research, though, it looks like Dark Intruder was actually released with a different William Castle film on the double bill as a double oh, feature. Really? Uh, it was I Saw What You Did, which I'm not familiar oh. with. Now, I've seen that. That is actually this played on Svengooli uh, a couple of times. It's like, uh, you know, I know what you did last summer. Oh, okay. it's, a tele- it's a telephone kind of thing where it's uh, two girls, uh, like a slumber party kind of thing, where they uh, decide to prank call some people and they prank call the wrong person. Uh, okay. So they're like, I know what you did. You know, I saw what you did. And so then, you know, the guy's like, oh, my gosh, they saw me, you know, murder my wife or whatever it was. I forget now. But Spoilers, man. I told you I hadn't I'm seen I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's something that happens. It's not necessarily that, but um, yeah, you know, it's it's a fun one. It's that almost feels like a TV movie more so than this does. 
because it's very, you know, connect the dots kind of a thing. But uh, Nightwalker, just from, you know, the one time I, I had seen it, it's been years now, that is pretty experimental in a lot of ways. So It is. It's a fascinating film, though. Okay. It's fascinating. I was blown away by it when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know... <laughs> Welcome to the Nightwalker podcast. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, when I saw the Nightwalker, I saw it through Sven Gulli. Okay, and right on. it just... Very, very different. And I saw some shades of, I don't know, some Nightmare on Elm Street type stuff happening in it and, and some Wes Craven element. Uh, just interesting movie. Yeah, okay. Interesting movie. Uh, as far as The Dark Intruder goes, to get back to that a little bit, I don't, sure. we didn't mention who directed it and who wrote it. And I want to talk briefly about that because Harvey Hart was the director. Okay. Harvey Hart was primarily a TV guy. So he did a lot of television. Again, mm-hmm. this was designed to be a pilot for a TV show. So, of course, I brought in a TV guy. He did an episode of Star Trek, did a handful of Alfred Hitchcock hours, mm-hmm. quite a few pieces of iconic television shows, as well as shows that I'm not overly familiar with, including a TV movie called The Aliens Are Coming. I, I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah, I want to see that. that it sounds, sounds great. I love the title. <laughs> yeah. And then The Star Lost. Have you, are you familiar with that? That was another one he did in 1980. No, I'm not. That I'm kind of curious about as well, but yeah, I was. I, it was kind of fun. I looking through his IMDb that he had done uh, some episodes of Columbo too, which I'm like, well, you know, hey, I there mean, you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like if Dark Intruder would have been, you know, if, if it would have become Black Cloak or Dark Cloak, and it would have been a huge success. Would we have seen detective series kind of adopt that? You know, would we see Mannix, you know, versus Count Yorga? You know, <laughs> I mean, would we have seen, you know, Columbo, you know, against Blackula or something, you know? Like, oh, it's just, just one more thing, Blackula. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Blackula, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Count, I can't remember, you know? Yeah. You know, it's that what if that I just love playing around with, you know, an alternate universe where occult detectives became the the TV trope of the late 60s, early 70s. I love it. Oh, I love it. (laughs) The film, or I guess, yeah, we'll call it a film. It was released theatrically. So the film was written by Barry Lyndon, Mm -hmm. who, okay, The War of the Worlds. Yeah. He's... (laughs) <laughs> responsible for one of the greatest science fiction films of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did a lot of non-genre work, but as Monster Kids, uh, of course, I'm going to go to the War of the Worlds for him. Sure. And The Lodger, too. Have you ever seen that with Laird Krieger? It's a 1944 flick. That is, man, there is an untapped film. I, you know, people, you know, it's been remade on several times, but it's a good, creepy, effective. The Jack the Ripper film, isn't it? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I didn't want to deter from no, uh, no, no, that's, fine. that's definitely the one, the big one, you know, I think. But, but The Lodger is a great one, too. He also wrote the play The Man in Half Moon Street, which would be adapted by Hammer Films as The Man oh. Who Could Cheat Death. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I've seen that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It's all these connections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is great. I mean, huh? all these people kind of just under the surface adding to this genre p- film that Again, mm-hmm. the what ifs would have been amazing. You know, thinking ab- about like just the genre in and of itself, I go to these conventions hoping that, you know, to have these discussions with friends, like-minded people that, you know, are passionate about what they've seen, you know, and there's so much emphasis put on what's new and what's hot, the trends, you know, what's currently on TV and stuff. And I just, I find if you go back and you start looking between the cracks, 
uh, like this film. I mean, honestly, you know, it, it had fallen between the cracks and it was available, you know, certain spots. I don't know. I, de- I derive more pleasure out of finding this kind of thing, you know, film than, you know, just going to the, you know, there's, there's pleasure in going to the movie of the week at the theater and, and seeing whatever it is they, they present. But I just, I feel like there's so much more that you can find when you go digging, you know, dumpster diving or crate digging or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, because there's, there's gold yet to be mined out of that stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I enjoy about doing Monster Kid Radio is that everybody knows the big classics. Everybody knows the right. Draculas and the Frankensteins. And I can talk about those for out, for days, oh, yeah. months on end. It's not like they're making new classic horror films, but <laughs> yeah. there are still so many movies out there that have not received the kind of exposure that the big ones have received, like Dark Intruder, like The Nightwalker, like I Saw What You Did, maybe. You know, just there are yeah. so many films out there that when a studio or a group like TCM puts out as a decent release, well, you got to snatch it up because it's going to be the best that you're probably ever going to see it. That's true. You yeah. start to explore and, and I like that. You go searching through the crates, looking for other movies and connections. And we're looking at the cast list here and we're talking about who directed this, who wrote it, who was involved. And I mentioned the Jack Laird <laughs> connection. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, you can start to springboard and see, well, Jack Laird <laughs> did these other episodes of Night Gallery that had these Lovecraft elements. So go check those out. You know, right. and then the writer wrote the thing that turned into the man who ch- could cheat us. So go watch that. So you can start yeah. to see where it all blossoms out. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there is one element to an actor that is in the film. I didn't see him in it. It's he's a sergeant in the film, and it's Al. Uh, Le- How do you pronounce his last name? Al Lettieri, and he's a guy who he's he's more known for his action role stuff. He was in The Getaway with Steve McQueen and Ally McGraw. Oh and wow! Okay, The Godfather, and he's in Mr. Majestic with Charles Bronson. He's like the villain in that. He's the villain in The Getaway. He, the Getaway is kind of like his shining performance, but he's the you know a cameo kind of guy in the background. These, you know, these guys and these gals, these actors and actresses, these directors, these producers, these writers, they all got to come from somewhere. And so, you know, again, it's that connective tissue. It's those threads that you can kind of go back and you see like, oh, well, this guy did this and that connected to this, you know, and, you know, I, I, you know, like going to conventions and stuff. It's always fascinating for me to see like, okay, so maybe this guy was a stuntman in Halloween or Friday the 13th or whatever, but he was also in like some just crazy film that he probably doesn't doesn't remember but it's just interesting you know for me because i know that that's the same guy you know so it's it's that kind of stuff that just maybe you know crate digging from a career point of view career digging <laughs> i don't know I, I just love that kind of stuff it's, it's a form of cinematic archaeology you know i like to call there it because you, you start to see the connections and you know i think i just discovered why tcm released this with the nightwalker Okay. On DVD, because Judy Meredith was in both films. Judy is the fiance. She plays the fiance of Richmond's character. She is a wrecking ball. Uh, Evelyn, right? She is a wrecking ball, too. (laughs) (laughs) Her voice and her just, you know, when she comes to walk it in, you're like, you know, step back, here she comes. You know, she's she's a woman on a mission. (laughs) Well, and that's, again, where you start to see some of the comedic charm of Nielsen when he refers to the Mandrake plant is very sensitive, something that you are not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> that's 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 cool. You know, it really is. Uh, so Judy Meredith did a few genre films, like I said, The Night Walker. She was also in Queen of Blood, which, from what I understand, has an amazing Blu-ray release out right now. Oh, really, man! 
So, but she also did a lot of television as well, a lot of westerns, which I think a lot of people did in the sixties. It's I don't know. It's just it's a fun, fun flick, and the like the the Lovecraftian elements. Again, I just I can't think. I was trying to rack my brain this morning about it because I, I just remember Haunted Palace was a big one. I was like, oh, wait, that's Charles Dexter Ward. That's cool. Right. I believe that was the first big screen okay. flat out adaptation. There are elements in a lot of films. Like I always say, going back to The Crawling Eye, I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, with yeah. the- I don't know if I've seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> of course I have. You know? <laughs> but I just, I mean, that's like a straight up. Lovecraftian film, if I ever, I, in my opinion, I don't know, maybe others have different opinions, but I love that movie because mm-hmm. it's so creepy. But, you know, again, hearing Nielsen just rattle off. Actually name dropping it. Yeah. That's, you know. that's just awesome. And it's not just Lovecraft, it's people from the Lovecraft circle. So yeah. there's some references to Robert Block and Kuttner and a few other people. So oh. <laughs> you, you know, they knew there, it wasn't just an accident that they mentioned Dagon. Yeah, it was a definite putting, inclusion in the script. Yeah, they just weren't putting syllables together, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which may have been what Lovecraft was doing, who knows? But it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had his own thing. I don't yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, we're seeking out. I'm going to go and and pick up this this DVD cuz that's a that's a great double feature actually. I think the transfer looks pretty good. It's as good as I've ever seen it. Okay. So I would recommend it for that alone. Well, and by the time this episode goes out, uh, I did the holiday gift guide last week on Monster Kid Radio, oh, right. and I put that DVD on the gift guide because I mean, you got to have it. Yeah, for sure. got to have it. And then the music's by Lalo Schifrin, or Lalo Schifrin, excuse me, Schif- who mm-hmm. did a lot of television as well, including Mission Impossible. Yep. You know, great. I guess they reused that music uh, for Alfred Hitchcock Presents, so it didn't go to waste, but that's another cool factor in it, too, because he's a guy, I mean... You know, everything from, you know, Mission Impossible and his TV work to theme songs like, you know, from the one from Enter the Dragon. Mm. You know, I mean, he's, yes. he's, you know, right up there with Goldsmith and some of the other guys. He's an important piece of movie and TV uh, music, you know, for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the Mission Impossible alone is such an iconic theme song. Yeah. So oh, for sure. To have that and then everything else that he had done. Lots of television, like I said, and I mean, to have somebody of that cachet on this project just mm-hmm. kind of adds another level of cool, I guess is the best way to put it. Just it's cool. I guess, you know, another way to look at it is it's like, you know, a jam band piece, you know, with a <laughs> lot of your favorite, you know, musicians, you know, you're like, wow, I, you know, they did the side project. This is awesome, you know, and, you know, just one of those kind of happy accidents, I guess. Sure. You know? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could see that. Well, and again, you know, going, I, I, I saw recently, uh, MeTV is running, this sounds like an ad for them, but they are running an ad f- with Peter Mark Richmond in it, uh, showcasing like his appearances on like Bonanza. Oh, really? It. That's great. Yeah. And it was like, he's still very recognizable. Just was like, wow, that guy's still, you know, still kicking, you know, Norman Lloyd, you know, is still kicking, which, you know, is, is awesome because people have got to get that information from them. You know, there's so many stories that you want to hear. At least I do. Oh, sure. So again, I, you know, it's convention circuit kind of, I guess, bringing this back around, you know, the convention circuit, it's fun to get those stories from those kind of guys. You know, I, I'm more fascinated by them than maybe the celebrity of the, the month, you know, the guy that's in the new. 
Jason movie or something, you know, it, those guys that have been around a while, they've got a lot of stories to tell. And, you know, if you, you know, you approach them in the right way, you know, you'll get some gems out of them. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I like going to the older conventions that have the older stars, the retro feel, that sort of thing uh, for that reason alone. That's my wheelhouse these days. You know, I don't do the okay. zombie thing anymore or anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a classic monster movie guy now. And I've never been to a convention where there's been somebody from a classic film and they've not been willing to share and talk about what they've done. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you were talking about this being a commercial for MeTV. I'm going to turn it into a commercial for Monster Bash. Go to Monster okay. Bash. Oh, my God. It's so awesome. And it's so warm and welcoming. And, oh, man, I need to get back there. <laughs> 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 That's where I, what I need to do is I need to go exploring because the ones that we have I'm I'm from in the Midwest and from the the ones that we have out here you know they're 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 quality stuff but it's kind of become a lot of been there done that and uh, there's a lot of people uh, that I would love to love to meet you know and and not just celebrities but fans as well and and you know yeah it's been like a couple of years since you and I have have hung out and it's always been kind of tangential when we right. have I just I really appreciate the hard work that you put into your projects you know because it comes off as very professional which you know honestly a lot of podcasts just aren't and <laughs> and no you know no slash to them but i mean you do your research you, you know you know what you're talking about if it's here with the hammer uh, podcast you know i've always respected that and i'm just i'm really thankful for the opportunity to get on with you i i just you know i really think that's cool <laughs> you know? oh stop it i mean go on go on no it's okay, okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> right well rondo award-winning oh no <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously derek i mean you you've hit with a lot of people, they're in other, you know, podcasts and just, you know, you're a great source of information. You're like John Kitley from Kitley's Crypt, who I had mentioned earlier. He, you know, his tagline is discover the horror. And there are those people, those founts of information and knowledge that are out there that you've got to tap into if you're a fan, because eventually you're going to see. Well, I don't know. Maybe not every zombie movie, but enough of them that you're going to get sick of them. <laughs> or, you know, you're going to see every Jason movie and every Freddy movie and every Michael movie. And you might sit through New Year's Evil and you might sit through I Just Remember Mama. And, you know, you might sit through that stuff and then go, there's got to be other stuff out there. Or that's why you need these fonts like yourself and like Kitley and like, you know, so many other people, you know, because they will lead you. To other other uh, films, other actors, directors, writers, you know, and to keep that alive, you guys do, and you you serve a real service. And I, you know, I mean, I know it sounds like, you know, blowing smoke, but I'm serious. I mean, you do, you know, so, and I just, I enjoy that so much, you know, cause that goes right back to the eight year old me watching Frankenstein for the first time, you know. There's a magic to that. There's a magic, yeah. you know, you mentioned the Crestwood House books. I mean, that's how I first discovered this stuff. Me too. There's a magic to all of this. And, you know, when you discover a movie from that era that you weren't aware of, like Dark Intruder, there's this instant nostalgia, but there's still this sense of discovery. So there's this nice kind of fuzzy feeling that you get watching something like exactly you know, rides the line there. You know, we didn't do this, and I meant to do this at the very beginning of this. We do a game here on Monster Kid Radio every once in a while called the Classic Five. Okay. I've got a deck of cards here. Random questions regarding classic monster movies, kind of yes or no, quick answer type questions. Okay. Um, 
I've written most of these questions. Uh, Scott Morris, who's been on the show a oh, couple times, contributed a few of these questions. I'd like cool. to do a round of the Classic Five with you, sir. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. All sure. right, all right. So I'm, I'm shuffling them now, and eventually okay. I'm going to produce a set of this for people to buy. So. Oh, cool, uh, yeah. Maybe next year. I keep saying that, but maybe next year. <laughs> all right. Card number one. What classic monster movie would you like to see as an animated remake? Oh, animated remake. Aye. Classic monster movie. So we're talking 30s? Uh, up to the 50s, whatever. 50s? Okay. You know, honestly, it would be fun to see, like, some of those giant bug movies, like a combination. Oh. I guess it kind of did that with, um, oh, what was that, Monsters vs. Aliens, maybe? Okay. The animated film. But, like, uh, you know, not necessarily like the blob, but, like, uh, Deadly Mantis and Tarantula, Black Scorpion, that, that kind of stuff. Oh, That'd be kind God, of fun. Black Scorpion. You know? <laughs> And those films are still effective. I got my best friend Justin. His two boys are big Svengooly heads. They're they're eight years old, and they love Black Scorpion. They love Tarantula. You know, they love all that stuff. So if it's something that you know could, could showcase some of that stuff and get more kids interested in it, that would be really cool. Right on. All right. So card number two. Okay. Rod Sterling or Alfred Hitchcock? Oh, that's tough. Um. Man, I think I'd have to go with Hitchcock. I guess it's more quantity. Oh, okay. You know, because there's just so much to go through. I love Serling stuff. Serling stuff to me right now is more familiar. Uh, because again, like me TV was showing me Twilight Zone quite a bit. And I've just, I've seen those more often. Whereas when I do watch an Alfred Hitchcock presents or, you know, honestly for me, I've not seen a lot of his films. I know, you know, hang my head in shame, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a lot of his, his library that I have not gotten to yet. So, so I feel like I have more of a grasp maybe. And that might be, I don't mean to sound elitist, but I just, I feel like I know more of Serling's stuff. I'm comfortable with him, whereas is Hitchcock would still be a challenge. Okay. And so. All right, question number three. Mm-hmm. The Amazing Colossal Man or Attack of the 50-Foot Woman? Amazing Colossal Man. When he's got the half-exposed skull... I'm like, what? You know, like, you can't hear the whistling through his eye. I, you know, I'm just like, that would drive me insane too if half my face was gone. And <laughs> he's just such a great looking, and, you know, and again, and, you know, part of it is the mystery science theater bit with him. That's how I first came to, well, no, actually, I guess the first way I came to him was, uh, it came from Hollywood, that 80s. Sure. Flick, yeah, and then I saw it on Mr. Science Theater. Then I eventually it came out on VHS, and I picked it up on its own. And uh, that and War of the Colossal Beast, I just uh, I'm a big Burt Gordon fan, and uh, yeah, he's just he's got such a great look. Whereas you know, don't get me wrong, Fifty uh, Foot Woman, you know, she's a knockout, and there's some really hilarious bits in there, especially when she picks up her husband. Um, you know, they'd always <laughs> get to laugh out of me. But, uh, yeah, colossal man all the way. Right on. All right, question, f- was this four? Yeah, four. Mm-hmm. Favorite actor to play Frankenstein's monster? Oh, man. You know, I almost, ah, oh, that's tough. So many. It's got to be Karloff. It's got to be Karloff, though. You know, just the, the, there's such a sadness in Bride of Frankenstein with him. You know, it goes from the joy of being discovered, you know, by the, the, the blind hermit and having a friend, you know, and then to the end where he just pulls the lever and we belong dead. I mean, you know, he runs the gamut of emotion, whereas I love Christopher Lee. He would be my second 
but he's really there for shock value. You know, he's he's wearing the scars. You know, and even De Niro's version is is interesting. You know, because he you know plays him as a stroke victim. You know, he's got all these other elements that he's brought to his craft and uh, brought to the character, and those are interesting. But I just you know, Karloff did it first. Well, he didn't do it first. I mean, there's the the Edison. Uh, Frankenstein, but he did it best, I guess. <laughs> sure, no, I, there's a reason why it's iconic. Yeah, there's a reason why. You know, when we think Frankenstein, we think the flat top head, and we think the the sunken cheek, and I mean, there's a reason why. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, final card: favorite Godzilla foe. You know, it's funny because just this last uh, just this last uh, weekend, I was listening to old episodes of uh, the last few weeks of uh, Monster Kid okay. Radio, and uh, you know, I was like, you know, I don't know if I've seen all of those movies all the way through because I would just I would come and go, you know, as a kid and as an adult, they'd be playing in the room, and I'd you know just kind of come and go. But I don't know, I couldn't remember the last time I actually sat through a Godzilla film, and it's got to be Hedora. The uh, um, <laughs> smog monster. I just yeah. love him because he's Cthulhu. I mean, to an extent, <laughs> he looks like Cthulhu. He looks like a cross between. Honestly, what he looks like is if Cthulhu and Kaltiki had a kid, <laughs> it would be Hedora. I just, you know, I sat there and I just was like enraptured from start to finish because I'm like, this movie is so bizarre. The the scientist father, you know, is kind of a goof. I mean, that, you know, he's he's trying, but he's kind of knocked out from the beginning and then the kid the little kid ken which is great he is so nonplussed by everything he sees you know like there's a part where adora just totally dissolves like half a community and he the kid just stumbles he's like on his way home from school or whatever he just stumbles onto him and he goes ouch <laughs> you know, it's like this kid is seriously warped. You know, the the film is like it's full of, you know, the excitement that Godzilla brings, but it's also got this sense of like and it's not despair. I you know, I said earlier talking to another friend that's on we maybe. Okay. It's what that universe would be like if you had those creatures constantly around. You know, it's just like, okay, you know, we can't hand it anything nice because Godzilla's going to come. He's going to kick it all down. That's what he does, you know? <laughs> and it's like, this so is we why just we gotta, can't have nice things. Right, exactly. <laughs> we just, we have to live in the shadows. So we just make the best of it, you know? And then you got Hedora who just, he, he just uh, evolves. You know, he starts off as a tadpole and he becomes this giant slug creature. And just when Godzilla literally has him by the, <laughs> you know, by the balls, I mean, he's got these like two globes that are you know from inside him he thinks he's got him and then Hidori evolves again you know and it's just like he's the one that really kind of brings brings it to godzilla he really does and you know there's plenty of others like you know i always love uh king Ghidorah, oh, you sure. know, but it's Hidora. he's the man or the beast <laughs> he's awesome <laughs> all right i don't think i've seen this movie in so long i think i need to go put it in yeah, it's got this crazy, like, the soundtrack is yes. really good, you know? And it's, it's honestly reminding me a lot of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, the, the Russ Meyer flick. <laughs> Cause it just, it feels like Z-Man is going to show up at any time, you know? I just, there's that weird 60s lava lamp kind of vibe to it all. And, you know, it's, it's, ah, it, there's just a lot going on. There's the animation. There's just these crazy visuals. I just, I want to see it again now, just talking about it. It's such a fun <laughs> flick, you know? That's a great question. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for playing the classic five. Like I said, eventually I'm going to produce this as a card set. I just need to figure out how to make it happen. Um, but, but it's a lot of fun to, to do that with people, especially people who have never been on the show before. So thanks. Oh, I absolutely. I love it, man. Thank you so much. I think we're going to have to have you back on. Oh, right on. I, I think cut. we're going to have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made the cut. <laughs> hey, you, you name dropped Caltiki. Come on. <laughs> it's you know I love those kind of flicks, man. I mean they're just they're just ridiculous. You know it's it's what you can do with what you got. Yeah, there's a DIY aesthetic to a lot of this mm-hmm. that I respond so well to. Oh I yeah, mean, it just makes my insides warm to see something you know where they try so hard and they're successful with such a small budget or limited uh, resources i just love it yeah oh absolutely you know whether it's the corman stuff or it's it's uh, bird eye gordon or it's um you know there's just so many others like i was listening to another podcast and they were t- had an interview with roger corman and they were talking about the beast with a is it a million eyes or a thousand eyes i right. can't remember now that was one that he actually had to go back after they got everything done. He actually had to go back to his producers and say, look, we really need more money because the monster is just terrible. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like it's not working. We need more money. And they gave it to him. But it's like I just thought it was fascinating that Corman actually admitted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, he was so known for, you know, making things on time or under time and, and on or under budget, admitting that he actually couldn't, you know, had a monster that just didn't work, you know. So, so that made that one. I've never seen it. So I'm going to have to go and track that one down. If Corman says we need more money, then, you know, <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> right, yeah, you know. I want to see what they came up with, but there's so many. It's it's uh was it oh I just I go back to that. It came from Hollywood because there were so many giant claw and mm. and all that stuff that you're just like, okay, you know, and it has a, I guess bringing it down, there's there's a whole thing about becoming an adult where you start questioning stuff, right? And you're like, you know, you're, you're supposed to question stuff. I mean, that's what school is designed for, sure, right? It's sure. make you question and make you think. But there's a part like, you know, when you're a kid, you just accept stuff, you know? It's like, okay, it's just weird, you know? Why does Godzilla, you know, use his breath weapon to fly? How does that work, you know? You just kind of <laughs> let it go. He's Godzilla and he's always got an ace up the sleeve, you know? And uh, or his scale, whatever, you know? It, and that, I, I just, I learned to appreciate more and more as I get older then I'm like you just have to go with it I mean you, you can sit there and dwell on metachlorians and you know the prime <laughs> directive and all this stuff or, other, or you could just go and watch a film and go okay you know that, that's weird alright let's just see what happens next you know so so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk your ear off brother so. no no it's cool um, no I, I agree there is that kind of there's an escapist element to it, mm-hmm. especially some of the more outlandish or lower budget monster movies, especially once you start getting into the drive-in era. Oh, yeah. You know, there's kind of a, you need to have that ability to check out and just enjoy it with some of this stuff. Yeah. And that's not to say the movies are bad. They just ask different things of you. <laughs> there you go. That's that's a great way of putting it. Absolutely. There are other portions of your brain, those muscles that you have to flex. Yep. For this. And I love for it. That. Absolutely love yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to have to uh, put our heads together and come up with another movie to have you on or another topic or just have you come on to shoot the breeze. Either way, we'll have okay. you back on, man. I am totally game anytime. And, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned that you had appeared on some podcasts in the past. If you appear mm-hmm. on anything else, let us know. We'll make sure what the listeners know. Oh, yeah, we will do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Derek. Sounds good. I'll see you on Facebook. <laughs>
All right. See you then, man. Thanks. (laughs) I had a great time talking with Ken about this movie. And actually, it was a post of his on Facebook that prompted me to ask him to come on the show to talk about this film. This was something that he posted a while back saying he had just seen it. He enjoyed it. So I thought, you know, there's an opportunity. There's a guy to talk about Dark Intruder with. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And like I said, I'm a big fan of this film. It wouldn't have made the gift guide if I didn't enjoy it. So please go check it out and consider adding it to your own personal collection or buy it for somebody as a gift. There's a double feature with the Nightwalker. That's a solid set. These everyday people are about to relive their dreams under hypnosis. They are not actors. Listen. All of a sudden, we walk into a room. I turn around. There's no doors. There's no windows, and I have to go home. As I go to kiss her, it seems as though we're surrounded by mosquitoes. Only he's not wearing any clothes. Charlie! Charlie, watch the bayonet! Watch the bayonet! What are dreams? What do they mean? When you dream, you wander into another world where everything is strange and terrifying. When you dream, you become a night walker. And now, a warning from William Castle, producer of The Night Walker. Do you know that a dream can kill you? Gruesome thought, isn't it? Do you hear that? It's the scream of a woman having a nightmare. I love you so much. That is the voice of a woman asleep, dreaming. Does her lover exist? Is he real or is he only a dream lover? This can happen to you, too. I know why my dreams seem real. Because when I'm awake, my life with you is like a nightmare. might be too much for you. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Down Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. A podcast about Hammer? I don't want to be the one to cross Tony Stark. 
This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes, and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com. Oh, so it's not just in Hammer. 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Out of the polluted waters it came to become the most fearful menace that ever threatened mankind. Feeding, growing ever more deadly on smog. Only one force dared stand up to its overpowering evil. Godzilla! Godzilla versus the smog monster. Will Godzilla, man's friend, be vanquished? man can do can stop the smog monster. Can Godzilla save the Earth from this mastodon of destruction? I've mentioned it a couple of times, and I'm going to mention it again. The Holiday Gift Guide. It's become a tradition here on Monster Kid Radio. Last week was the official Gift Guide episode, and we did something slightly different last week. We did a video version of the show as well. We have a YouTube channel. Granted, I haven't updated the YouTube channel in quite some time, but I did upload the gift guide episode to YouTube. So you can see a video of the gift guide as well as listen to the audio as part of the regular podcast feed. There's no extra audio content in the video version. You just get to see, well, me recording at the Dorado Film Studio, and you get to see the books, the CDs, the DVDs that I mentioned in the gift guide. I'm thinking about doing more YouTube videos in the future as part of Monster Kid Radio's regular programming. Let me know what you think about that. What would you like to see? While you're thinking about that, let's listen to a voicemail. Hey, Derek. It's Tony Wendell of The Gigantic Project. I just got done listening to your recording with Stephen D. Sullivan over Godzilla vs. Mothra, or Godzilla vs. The Thing, and Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. I just wanted to add a little uh, bit of info that you, with in regards to Mothra's gender. Yes, uh, in America has disrespected her and given her the pronoun he ever in several dubs, but unfortunately, Japan hasn't been much better. See, when Godzilla was uh, over here being bought by Sony in the 90s, what happened to uh, Mothra? Well, she got her own trilogy. Unfortunately, in the first movie, as the older Mothra dies and the younger Mothra takes over, it's very clear that the new Mothra is indeed a male. And this male Mothra, who, once it spins its web and becomes a full, from a larva to a full Mothra, gets the nickname Mothra Leo. And they make it a point to point out that this new mantra that goes throughout the entire trilogy is indeed a boy. Thanks for sending that in, Tony. You know, as far as the Mothra films go, I knew that there was a trilogy in the 90s. I actually have them here on Blu-ray, but I've never gotten around to watching them. 
I keep meaning to, but like I talked about with Steve in the uh, Kaiju episodes that we did recently, Mothra is just one of those things that never really struck me and, and hung on to me. Doesn't mean that I shouldn't watch it, though. <laughs> one of these days, I'm sure I will. Tony knows so much more about Kaiju and big things than I do. Go check him out over at thegigantichproject.com. And stay tuned because I am chatting with him about having him come back on for another episode of Monster Kid Radio here in the near future. Thanks for calling in, Tony. Who is Mothra? What is Mothra? Why does all the world fear Mothra? They found him on an island in the remote Pacific, a monster cave creature discovered by a group of the world's leading scientists, worshipped as a god by the tiniest, loveliest women in all creation, sacred beauties of a lost tribe. See how he stands unscathed by tanks, artillery, dive bombers, rockets, all powerless against his devastating death ray. See how he eludes capture in his impenetrable cocoon, which no human force can open. See him unleash, with a single tremendous breath, the Earth's most fearsome hurricanes, wrecking trains and ships, uprooting bridges and buildings, wreaking havoc on land and sea, thrilling you, chilling you, holding you spellbound. What is the secret of Mothra? Insatiable, indestructible, indescribable. The screen's most fantastic dramatic spectacle, Mothra. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to say thank you to Tony for calling in, and thanks to Ken Johnson for being part of the show. And you know, why not? Thanks to Leslie Nielsen for making this movie. I so enjoy Dark Intruder, and I hope you guys and gals dig it too, or at least dug the conversation that I had with Ken. If you are interested in learning anything else about Monster Kid Radio, head over to our website, monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find links to everything that you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes, like our contact information. If you want to call in, like Tony did, you can call us at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. Or you can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And with the holidays coming up, if you have any holiday greetings or wishes that you'd like to share with the Monster Kid Radio listeners, please feel free to send that in as well. I'm going to start collecting those and playing that here near the end of this month. Also on our website, you'll find our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio, help support the show financially. You can find a link to our Facebook group. You can also subscribe to the Monster Rally Checkpoint e-newsletter and get a monthly email from me, from Monster Kid Radio Central, with all kinds of bonus content. In the past, we've had movie reviews, we've done polls, classic monster movie trivia, a column called The Creature Connection about the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's something that I really enjoy putting together. I hope you guys and gals enjoy reading it. But you can only get it if you subscribe. So go over to monsterkidradio.net, over on the right, put in your email address, hit subscribe, and that's it. That's all it takes. If you're a content producer yourself and you need a promo for Monster Kid Radio, click on where it says promos. We have four promos. I'm calling it the Spook Show series. They're pretty short, and they feature the voices of fellow podcasters like Craig Beam, Court Psyops, Sean Morrissey, or Jeff Pullier. Feel free to download those promos and do whatever you want with them. And if you're a podcaster yourself and you end up using it, well, let me know and I'll play one of your promos on my show. 
For next week's episode of Monster Kid Radio, I'm not 100% sure what we're doing. I've got a couple of different options here, depending on whether or not I can get a recording session put together with somebody. We could go one way. If not, I've got a recording in the can. We can go another way. So you'll just have to come back to Monster Kid Radio next week on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher you use to find out what's coming up in episode 249 of Monster Kid Radio. 249. Wow. Thanks for being part of this podcasting journey with me. Thank you for retweeting the tweets, sharing the Facebook posts, giving us reviews on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you use. And thanks for spreading the word. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and you'll be able to hear us in a week for episode 249. In the meantime, remember, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song, We Wish You a Surfing Christmas. That comes from the band Surf Out. They are a surf band out of Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania. You can find them at surfout.bandcamp.com and check out the entire album, as well as their other album called Name This EP. Talk to everybody next week. (laughs) 